Real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast, be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. If you haven't already, be sure to grab your free copy of my first two books, Frugalpreneur and Authorpreneur, by going to thesarahstjohn.com forward slash free. That's T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-S-T-J-O-H-N dot com forward slash free. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John. And today we have Matthew Passy from The Podcast Consultant. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into podcasting? Sure. So my career actually started in radio. I was working in the newsroom of a New Jersey talk station, and it was around 2007, 2008 when the iPhone came out and Apple announced a specific podcast store, like podcasts that existed, but it wasn't really an easy thing to access. But so I saw this and I turned to my boss and I said, hey, this is cool. We should you know, launch a podcast. Let's just take some of our content and put it out there. And he said, well, if it doesn't cost me anything, it doesn't require me to do any more work. Sure. Go for it. Have fun. Launch a podcast. So <laughs> that's what I did. I took our first half hour of morning news and stripped some of the commercials and traffic and nonsense. And we put that out as a podcast. And so that was where it all began. But I went to work after that for the Wall Street Journal Radio Network for almost eight years. And that was a specifically a half podcasting, half radio job. So as podcasting was revving up, I spent a lot of time producing, editing, creating podcasts for a large media organization. And at the end of 2014, which is a pretty big pivotal moment in podcasting, was right when Serial came out and podcasts started to have a big splash. Dow Jones said, you know what? We're going to get out of the radio business. And they also got out of the podcasting business that day. So they laid us all off just a big sweep of everybody went out. So I start off 2015 with no job and I'm looking for something to do. I'm you know, fielding some offers, trying to find full-time work. It wasn't coming together. And in the meantime, there were folks that I used to interview all the time for the journal. They said, you know, we really enjoyed those podcasts we used to do with you. They were a great marketing vehicle. Could you help us produce one? And he's like, Sure. I think so. All I need really is a computer. I I can do that for you. And so I started producing podcasts for some old friends and colleagues. And then somebody else would come along and somebody else. And uh, again, all of this was just a pure side gig, just something to keep me busy, bringing a little bit more income while I looked for my next full-time job, which I was hoping would be a podcast job, but I was not being that specific. And sure enough, podcasting just kept growing. The space kept growing, interest kept growing, and frankly, my business kept growing. And so about late 2016, early 2017, I guess, I had picked up a couple of my first clients that I had no prior relationships with. And, you know, again, just helping somebody out, launch a podcast. They weren't even looking to go big or anything like that, but they struck gold. And all of a sudden, All of their guests and all of their friends and all these people listening to the podcast kept saying, I love your podcast. It sounds great. How do I do it? And basically what the host said was, you talk to Matthew. 
And I started to get a lot of referrals. And a few months later, I realized all the part-time work I was doing, my hourly wage was less than what I could be making if I just focused on this. So I dropped everything and went full-time into consulting and producing. And that's, you know, and it's just been growing ever since. And I've dabbled in a few other things, podcasts related along the way, but that's really how this career, this job, this, you know, website and service got going. Wow. Are you able to tell us what podcast that was that took off? It was called, it, it, I should say it is called Invest Like the Best. It's hosted by a gentleman named Patrick O'Shaughnessy, and he is a phenomenal talent and a super generous person. And it's been a pleasure to work with him and to go on the ride with him. And again, just to get connected to his network and so many incredible people in that space. It's really been a blessing and it's just a pleasure to be a part of that brand. How many podcasts do you produce? I would say, I like to say we have about 40 to 50 active clients and active can be varying degrees of active, we'll say. So there's a lot of clients that produce weekly podcasts and in the time of COVID, some are doing twice a week. Uh, And then there's a bunch of folks who do it every other week and some who do it just every so often. All of a sudden you get an email like, hey, I've got a new episode. Can you do this? Like, oh, sure. I wasn't ready. But yeah, we'll, we'll get that done. And and then on top of just regular production, I just consult with a bunch of other podcasters who just want to make sure that they're doing the right things, not making mistakes, asking questions, you know, looking for ways to improve, things like that. So I've probably worked with, I would say, probably over 100 podcasts in a professional capacity, but regular clients is you know around the 40, 50 mark right now. Oh, wow. So that's definitely a full-time job then. <laughs> And then some. <laughs> do you, How many hours a week do you work? Like 50 or 60 at least? How many hours are there? <laughs> well, let me uh, double that and triple it. And then, then you're close to what I do. I, I work even before all this started. I was working from the time my kids would leave for daycare till I had to stop and get ready, make dinner for them to come home and spend time with them, put them to bed, dinner, all that stuff. And then Usually after they go to sleep, try and enjoy a little bit of fun time, recreational time with my wife, watching latest shows or just hanging out. And then I usually go back to work for a few more hours every night, usually work on weekends too. So it is definitely a full time and a half job. And especially now that the kids are home, it's really a lot of hours. I like you know, we jokingly say we both have twice as much work, but have as much time because we're also doing daycare five days a week. Mm-hmm. So when you produce a podcast, I guess that would consist of editing it. And then what else do you do? You add like the music in, you probably take out filler words, I assume. And then do you distribute it? So we offer a couple of different levels of service, but most of my clients basically want the, I just want to talk into a mic Mm -hmm. concept. So they record their interviews. Maybe they'll give us content edits for either compliance reasons or guest requests or just, you know things that they don't think needs to be out there. And then we will go through, do the cleanup, like you said, the filler words, the ums, the uhs, you knows, the likes, the rights, process all the audio, make sure things are even and clean, add in their production elements, their intros, outros, commercials that they have. And then, yeah, we'll usually be the ones who upload them to their hosting service. Uh, And for some of our clients, we do show notes and transcripts and offer some marketing services. And then a lot of it is just coaching and and helping them along the way, basically being at the ready if 
you know, they're getting ready to record that interview. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's an error I've never seen before. Hurry up, call Matthew. Uh, and so, you know, just sort of being there for them to to make sure they feel confident that they can get this audio and secure that interview with the guests that they've been trying to get. So for every hour that someone has recorded, how much time would you say you spend editing it and producing it? Well, so when I'm editing audio, it's usually about two to three X, whatever the raw content is. So an hour long interview probably takes about two to three hours from start to finish. I should also say that I do work with a team of really great editors and producers as well who can help me out. So there is not enough time in the week to produce 40 to 50 clients. So I do have folks who do a lot of the cleanup work. I still produce almost every episode. So after the ums and uhs and all that stuff comes out, then I'll be the one who puts it all together and squares away the audio and, and things like that. Some of that can take as little as five minutes. Some of that can take as much as an hour. It really depends on the size of the file, the complexity of the processing, and honestly, how long it's taking my internet to download the files. I feel like I spent a lot of time just waiting for Dropbox or Google Drive to get files moving uh, between my computer and the cloud. And so do you do the consulting with all of your clients or is it kind of a separate, like you either do the editing and producing or you do the consulting or maybe you have packages where you do both? So for clients that we do regular production for, consulting is just a part of the deal. You know, it's it's sort of, we like to think of it as sort of like a white glove service where you are you know with us. And so we want to make sure that everything that we work on is great. And so if I hear something, I let them know. If I see something, I let them know if there are changes, I try and give all the clients a heads up about things that are happening. But then on top of that, I also will consult with podcasters who we do not do regular production for. People will just book hour-long calls to ask questions, get help with setup. I've consulted with some brands about strategy stuff, monetization. I've even done some work. So Staples actually opened up a bunch of podcast studios up in Boston right before everything started. And I spent a lot of hours consulting with them about what to do, how to do it, using equipment and things like that. Not to say that I was the final decision on all those things, but certainly I helped them and, and spoke with them. And the other thing I do is what I call a podcast audit. So what I was finding was that when I launch a podcast, I know how I want it to be, right? I've, I've done this for a long time. I've made a lot of mistakes. So hopefully my clients will avoid all those by launching with me. And I was starting to get new clients who had already had a podcast and launched and whether it was because they did it themselves or you know maybe someone in their team that's not in the space did it or they they hired a different producer to launch it i would just look at their show and i'd be like who did this to you right like who hurt you this way um, and your podcast and i was realizing that a lot of folks were getting bad advice from one place or another so now i offer something called a podcast audit where folks who have a podcast i'll take a listen i'll look at their iTunes listing, their website, their social, listen to their episodes and let them know what are some ways that we can improve things and stop hindering their ability to grow their show. That Maybe I'll have to look into that. That'd be interesting to get your feedback. So you had mentioned monetization. What do you find to be the best ways to monetize aside from obviously affiliate marketing or their sponsorships, though that would be, that's more, for, I think, probably for bigger podcasts. It really does depend on why you're podcasting. And that's a big part of what I do when I'm consulting is I'm not just going to say, everybody have a podcast, right? I'm not Oprah going, you have a podcast, <laughs> you have a podcast, and you have a podcast. <laughs> it's a lot of work and it's got to be a labor of love and it's going to reflect on you, your brand, your business, whatever, in a lot of different ways. And so I want to make sure that if you're doing it, you're doing it for the right reason. 
And for most of my clients, they're doing it for indirect monetization. Going back to that first show, I remember when Patrick and I started, honestly, he said, this is a networking tool, right? Like there are people in my space I want to talk to. And if I reach out to them on the phone and say, hey, you have an hour, they're going to say, no, who is this? But if you reach out to someone and say, I've got a podcast, a lot more doors tend to open up. I mean, that quickly changed. It soon became an incredible networking tool and an incredible branding tool for him and, and for his business. But his intention wasn't to go in there and say, I need a million listeners so I can sell Casper mattress ads, right? It just, that wasn't what his goal was. So I, I think there's a lot of different ways that you can monetize your podcast. One is you can use it to grow your network grow your brand, make yourself an authority. You could do it as a way to, you know, sort of be that first step in like a sales funnel, right? If you provide value to folks in your niche and in your space, then when it comes time for them to maybe want to take it to the next level and sign up for a service or work with a professional, you know, who are they going to think of? It's the person who's been offering advice and value in the form of this podcast all the time. And so it's a great way to start attracting new business. There are folks who do this as a way, you know, part of that networking, by the way, isn't just to meet people, but also the people who you network with could be your potential customers too, right? Like cold calling and cold emailing is really hard. It's really hard to be good at and it's really hard to get through to people, even if you're good at it. And so once you have a conversation with someone, you've built a relationship and a rapport and that person could wind up being a client in more than one way or a customer. I've also seen people who turn it into membership opportunity. So they're using the podcast as a way to create an experience. Maybe they have a whole bunch of really technical or detailed information that goes with their podcast that folks are willing to pay a monthly membership fee to be able to access or become a part of a community with like-minded individuals. Maybe it's to get direct access to the host. There's a lot of different ways that you can use that. And by the way, that model can be looked at as two ways. You can either say this is an exclusive membership, you know, high profile thing that you want to do and you should pay for that privilege, or you can frame it as a support model, right? The Patreon and the, you know, spot the, the donation model and say, Hey, we know you love this. If you want to support us and pay as a result, you will also get maybe exclusive episodes, swag, like other things. So that model kind of works two ways. It just depends on which way to frame it is more appropriate for your show. Sometimes for a business to say, please donate to us and join our membership. doesn't give the same cachet as saying, join our exclusive membership portal. Whereas if maybe you're doing something political or social justice or whatnot, to say membership doesn't really jive. But if you say support us and become a patron, it jives with your audience a little bit better than saying you have to pay to become a part of our exclusive cool member, right? It all goes back to why are you doing this? What are your goals? And what's the right way to approach this for, for your audience? You can affiliate market. You can sell other stuff along with it. You could sell ads. Although I'll be honest, most of my clients don't go that route. Some of them do and do it very well, but most of them don't because this is their marketing platform, right? They're not buying ads. They're not doing other stuff. They are taking marketing and advertising dollars that they would normally spend to tell people about their business and investing in the podcast. So why are you spending all this money to create a platform for yourself to then just give that space away to potentially your competitor to somebody else? So maybe advertising just isn't the right model for you because this is all about you and your brand, right? No need to give Blue Apron a shout out if the whole idea is to sell yourself, right? Yeah, I think if the ad is relevant or pertinent to your audience, then that's one thing. But to have random Casper and Blue Apron ads, it 
doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. That almost feels more like a radio show. Well, yeah. And, you know, I'm glad you said it that way because that's exactly it. When you are broadcast television, broadcast radio, even large podcasts that are, you know, monetizing through ads, they have sort of a different objective. Their objective really is to sell an audience, right? They are building up a huge audience group of people, of followers, a relationship with folks to then turn around and say to somebody else, look what I've got here. I've got a million people over here who will listen to whatever I say. They like me. They believe me. Would you like to buy access to that audience? Right. That's what advertising is. It is selling access to an audience. And so most podcasters that I deal with, they're not in the space of building audiences. They're in the space of building themselves or building their business. And yeah, growing an audience to do that is is meaningful, but it might not be meaningful to sell that audience to somebody else. So it, it really just depends what you're doing. And going back to radio, we always used to joke that the station that I worked for was a talk station. And so it had news, it had traffic, it had weather, and then it had a talk show host that basically that talk show host's job was to keep people listening between the commercials, right? Nobody was paying to listen to the host. The host was entertaining to keep you there so that they would sell ads when the traffic and the weather and the news and everything else came up that was sponsored, right? That's what their business model really is when you dissect it and really take a deep dive into it. Of course, the first step of monetizing would be to get an audience. And you had mentioned growing your audience. What have you found to be good ways to grow an audience? Obviously, people can find you through searching keywords in Apple or whatever podcast app it is, or social media maybe. But what are some different ways? You know, most people, the way they discover podcasts, the way they start to listen to a new show is someone they know, like, or trust recommends it. And so what you really want to do is you want to become a trusted recommendation. And that takes a lot of different forms. So one way to do that is go on other podcasts, right? I'm here on the Frugalpreneur Show and you have built yourself an audience, right? By being here, I've put myself in front of an audience of people that, by the way, I know are already podcast consumers, which I always tell everyone you have two challenges as a podcast. One, you still have to convince people to listen to a podcast. The audience is growing, but there's still folks who don't. And then two, you have to convince people to listen to your show. So eliminate that first hurdle by getting in front of people that you know listen to podcasts. And who listens to podcasts? Podcast listeners. So, right? Like the people who are hearing this right now, they listen to podcasts. They've already gone over that first hurdle. You can't trip and accidentally listen to a podcast. So first thing is, going on other podcast shows, inviting other podcasters on to your show too, because they have shared audiences. And there's a good chance that potentially someone who might listen to my shows, I'm going to post that, hey, I had a great time on the Frugal Panor. Sarah was a fantastic interview. Like you should check it out. So now because of my relationship with my audience, someone's going to listen to this and they're going to say, huh, well, Matthew said Sarah was great. So I'll check it out. And now they'll have a chance to listen for themselves and hear Sarah was really great. I'm going to become a subscriber and boom, like I, we've just helped to grow each other's show that way. So being on each other's podcast is a great way to grow your show. Another thing is to have people that write about or talk about podcasts. So, you know, people write 
top 10 business podcast list for Forbes or, you know, top 10 entrepreneur podcast for Entrepreneur Magazine or something like that. If those people are recommending your show, well, their readers are also going to say, well, if so-and-so who I've been reading for a long time thinks this is a good show, I'm going to trust them and I'm going to give it a shot. You can advertise on other podcasts. That's a great way to do it exchange promos so you don't even have to pay maybe there's another show in a parallel that makes sense that you could say hey everyone you're listening to frugal panora by the way just want you to know check out our friends over at the blah 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 podcast that makes sense for your audience and you two have been able to to help each other out without even exchanging any money or something like that and then a really important thing is to just take care of your listeners every listener matters and before we started, you brought up somebody else in the podcasting space who I know, love and respect dearly. His name is Dave Jackson, and he does such a good job of caring for every single person that listens to his show. And any chance he gets to talk to them or meet with them or connect with them, he is genuinely involved with them in one way or another. And by treating each person with that kind of dignity respect by making them feel special they'll become your best advocates to go out there and tell somebody else like hey i love dave jackson you should go listen to his podcast right that's such a strong recommendation if a friend or a colleague or someone like says to you oh you listen to podcasts here's what i like because now you trust it it's hard to scan the podcast stores and be like well that artwork looks cool is that going to be the right show for me or mm. <laughs> to listen to 20 seconds of a show and be like eh, eh that music was okay <laughs> right like, we don't want to invest a lot of time or waste a lot of time i should say trying to find the right stuff so really what you want to do is become a trusted referral and recommendation by people who like to talk about podcasting and talk about content and even if it's not podcasting just content creators so I'm sure as a frugalpreneur, right, you are in communities and networks of bloggers and vloggers and other people that write and talk about the space. And so even if a vlogger says, oh, I was listening to the frugalpreneur podcast, like that's a huge endorsement because they are talking to your target audience and they'll probably convert some people to go and check you out. I mean, the rest is up to you once they get there. But the hardest thing is just getting people there in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are good points. And I'm actually starting to get on other people's podcasts. So my first step was getting people on mine. And I've got quite a few episodes lined up. So now I'm like, okay, now I need to start getting on other people's and leverage their audience, get in front of their audience. Yeah, it's a great thing to do. I mean, once people hear you, it's they can make a real determination of whether or not they're going to like you. They It's tough to gauge how much you're going to like a person from the description of a show or maybe if their socials really good, you might be like, oh, this person's great. I will check out their podcast. But most of us are not that good. After I've done an interview and once it's live, I will send the person that I interviewed, I will send them the link to the blog post slash show notes, as well as the Apple link, YouTube link the social media graphic and so on. And some of them do share those out, but some don't probably because they're busy or whatever. Do you have any advice? I mean, can you, is there much more that one can do to get, to encourage an, a guest to share the podcast episode out? It's tough. It's really hard. I mean, it sounds like you're doing everything you can and making it super easy for them. You'll probably have a 
better chance of a retweet or a share or something like that once they've already been tagged. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can, you know, the easier you can make it, right? Like a click to tweet where literally they just click on a button and it's done for them. Uh, it's probably more effective than just giving them a link and hoping that they do it. I, I mean, the truth is the people that want to do it are going to do it. The people that don't are not. And the more you annoy them, the less likely they're going to do it with the right tone and attitude that you want them to do it with. So don't target guests for their promotional prowess. Target guests because they make sense for your audience. Mm -hmm. Your audience is still, at the end of the day, the most important part. It's great to get, look, it would be great if Joe Rogan went out there and said, hey, you should check out Sarah St. John. Like, that would be awesome. Like, he has a huge influence. And even if 0.01% of his audience checks it out, like, that's, you know, a huge bump in numbers for any podcaster. But if bringing on Joe Rogan doesn't make sense with what your audience expects, well, you've probably annoyed your existing audience for some folks who haven't been along the journey with you and, and don't have a loyalty with you. So take care of your current audience, make sure that they're engaged, make sure that they are doing the sharing for you. Uh, Cause they'll do so with a lot of passion because if they're spending enough time to listen to every episode and retweet and like, and share, they're probably a big fan. And so you can probably get more out of that than just a guest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And yeah, I only email the the guests once <laughs> i don't bug them but i have noticed that they're much more likely to just retweet so i send them the email with all that stuff but then i also share it myself on twitter and facebook and instagram and all that and a lot of time and i'll tag them and a lot of times they'll retweet it but that's about it and then as far as getting your own audience to share it i guess just encouraging them on the actual episode if you like this episode be sure to tell someone or share it on social it's also about recognizing them offline or off air, I should say. So a lot of folks, they'll start a Facebook page, which I have a Facebook page. It's like the yellow books. People are going to look for you on Facebook and they need to see who you are and that you exist. But what you really want is a Facebook group because Facebook groups, one, there's a better shot of anything you're doing actually showing up on their feed, right? Facebook isn't really giving out page impressions because they want us to pay to boost it, but when you post to a group that somebody belongs and they get a notification and if they belong to a group, like they have a chance to interact. And so what's better than just asking them to do it during the show is acknowledging them once they've done it. So if somebody retweets you and says, Oh, I love this episode, go back and reply to that person and say, thank you. And maybe in a future episode, highlight some of your all-star listeners, right? Everybody, it, it's this like, hey, mom, I'm on the radio thing. Everybody loves to hear their name on the radio and in podcasts and on video. And so just take the moment to recognize and show them that you're paying attention, that you care, that you treasure them. Maybe create some incentives to do so, right? You can do sort of contest-like experiences, AMA type of experiences, especially, you know, frugalpreneur, I'm sure you've got a ton of great advice for people. And so, you know, hey, the the first 10 people that tweet this episode or share this episode get invited to a special one hour AMA with me where they can ask whatever they want, because maybe you're addressing a lot of their needs, but you're not addressing their specific needs. And so now you've given them that access to what makes you special and they're going to remember that. And Maybe you invite them to leave you a nice voicemail and you play it. Well, if somebody hears their voice in a podcast, they're going to be really likely to share because they want their friends to hear that their voice is in a podcast. And so it's just really about that engagement, that sense of community and building and treasuring them. And yeah, 
ask them for the social shares. And I, I don't mean this to sound demeaning, but like as a whole, people are, they need obvious directions, right? So if you just say, hey, I've got a podcast. Thanks for listening. All right, cool. They thank me for listening. But if you have a podcast and you say, please subscribe, please review, please share it, right? Like you are giving people an ask. You are telling them, if you like the show, this really helps. And so they're more likely to do what you ask them because you, you told them what you would like them to do to help you out. And then, of course, you, you got to recognize that they've done it and keep it going, right? Every time they do something, like it, retweet it, share it, comment, and do it outside of just the podcast promotion too. If you know somebody is routinely sharing your stuff, you follow them, all of a sudden they post something that's interesting to you that has nothing to do with your show, go out there and engage with them again. Really good social media isn't a megaphone. It's a telephone. It's a conversation. It's a place where we can talk to each other. So talk to your listeners, talk to your fans, turn them into more than just downloads. Yeah, those are good points. And you had mentioned like at the end, you could say subscribe, share, so on and so forth. And I've heard some people say to only do one call to action. What is your opinion on that? If you give people too many options, you'll create possible choice overload and then they won't know which to do. So I typically say something like head to my website where you can and then I might rattle off a few different things. Or I'll say, hey, please go subscribe to the show and then go to my website for everything else that you can do, the email, or maybe you rotate your call to actions every episode. So maybe the end of this episode, it's going to be, do me a favor, if you're hearing this, please go to Apple, leave a rating and review. And maybe the next guest is going to be, hey, if you're listening to this, if you haven't yet, please go and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. And maybe the next week it's, if you're hearing this and you haven't yet, please sign up for my email newsletter or join the Facebook group, right? Like give them one specific direction and then make it easy for them to do that. So if you tell people to subscribe to your show, put subscribe links in your show notes and on your website where you can't miss them. If you want them to subscribe to your email newsletter, put a link to the form and or on your website, make it a, you know, a pop-up so they can't miss it. The, the one thing that we know is that and I sometimes get this number wrong or I might not be saying it right, but it's something like for every click that a person has to take to do something, 50% of the people are gone. Mm. So if you tell them, go to the website to subscribe, all right, they went to the website. Well, 50% of the people went to the website. Cool. Now, the subscribe button isn't there. So they've got to go and click on the word podcast. Well, 50% of the people are gone from there. So they've clicked on the word podcast. Now it says, click here to subscribe. 50% of the people click here to subscribe. Now there's another page where it's got the subscribe buttons. And so you're creating friction. So all these things that you want them to do, make it easy, make it obvious, reduce that friction. And there's a lot of ways to do that. And one is make sure that all those links are in your show notes to make sure they're on your website where it is easy. Don't bury your social media all the way at the bottom. People typically don't go below the fold. Put them in your header. Put them right there. Your subscribe buttons. Subscribe button should be on every episode page, on your podcast page, and probably somewhere on your homepage if that's what your main call to action is. So just ask people to do what you want and then make it easy for them to do it. And speaking of subscribe buttons, do you recommend having, because there's so many podcast listening apps. So do you recommend having all of them listed? Well, not all of them, but you know, or just <laughs> Apple and Spotify? 
Spotify and Google or what combination is that's one area that I get hung up on. I really like when people have three subscribe buttons and then maybe a link for more options. So for a lot of my clients, what I'll have them do is Apple, Spotify, Google, right? Because, well, I'll I'll get to that in a second. And then a a link that says, click over here to subscribe, and then I'll give them easy links to all the other options. Overcast, Podcast Addict, Radio, whatever it is. The reason is that, one, if they are not a traditional podcast user, you don't want to confuse them with too many options. So if you have the three buttons, Apple, Google, Spotify, right? Either they have an Android phone. Boom. They, they recognize the Google podcast logo. They have an iPhone. They recognize the Apple podcast logo. Or unless they've been living under a rock, like they know what Spotify is. So right there, those are three options that there is no confusion in the world about. If they are a power podcast user and they listen on Overcast or Podcast Addict or whatever, they probably know how to subscribe to your show. Right. And yeah, we're asking them to do a little bit of work. But if they like the show, they're going to do it. So, right, like I ease, I know Frugalpreneur, I go into Overcast, I hit this, I hit this, and boom, I'm subscribed. You don't have to confuse me by putting an Overcast button there. But if you do want to make it easier, put a link that says other locations. And then on that, you build a page that says Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, TuneIn, Stitcher, blah, 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 blah. Like there is a place where you can make it a little bit easier. But I think focus on those main three. If you're asking me these questions, and and this isn't you, this is just in general people who are reaching out to me. If you're asking someone like me for help and advice, you're in growth mode. And so if you're in growth mode, you have to assume that people are new to your show or new to podcasting. And so make it easy for those new to podcasting. Make it obvious for people new to you. Remind them that subscribing is an option and do it with the main three. Yeah, that's that's good. I'm going to have to make some changes then. Actually, I think the way I have it set up is I just have, okay, so I host through Spreaker currently. So I'll have the Spreaker player playlist that has all my episodes. And then I have a button under that that says subscribe here that then goes to a chartable link that lists out all the options. That's not bad. The chartable links are a nice way to do it because you've got those because they have those smart links that allow you to basically click and take you to where you want to be, which is really smart. And yet you mentioned, by the way, that like having the player there, that's also really important because someone might come to your site because they, let's say they Googled Dave Jackson and all of a sudden the listings, there's this, oh, the frugalpreneur, Dave Jackson made an appearance on there. Oh, okay. Let me click on that and see what it is. And they might not realize that what they've clicked on is a podcast. So when they get to that blog post, right, for Dave Jackson, they're going to see a title. The next thing they should see is an audio player. So right away, it's like, oh, there's there's audio. Let me check this out. Play. And then right under that audio player, the next thing they should see is subscribe buttons. Because if they're listening, they go, this is pretty good, right? We want them to be able to click right away to subscribe. So it sounds like, and I'm trying to pull up one of your episode pages now as I'm doing it, it seems like, so you've got the big player, right? Mm -hmm. And you've got your recent episodes. And then, yeah, you've got the the GoPodMe on the bottom there with some obvious icons and links. What I'm not seeing, so I guess the episodes are in the blog versus being on the podcast page. Yeah, and I've kind of wondered if that's not the way to do it. So the, the only problem with driving people to a podcast page that doesn't have 
individual episodes is if let's say you are posting a link, right? You're on Twitter and you're saying, Hey, check out my, you know, an episode from three months ago about pod seam, just grabbing one random on your thing. Well, pod seam happened like 10 episodes ago. So I get to your website, I get to this podcast page and it's like, so where's pod seam? I've got to do the work to find it. It's always good to make it again. It's that friction, right? Like make it easy. Don't make them have to hunt for what you're pointing them to. Don't make them have to think about where they're going to find that stuff. And for a lot of people, a blog is not the same as their podcast, even though most podcasters know that the blog is how you display your episodes. So your blog page looks really, really great, but it probably could be combined with your podcast page to get you the best of both worlds. Yeah, I've seen some people do the podcast slash blog. Like that's what it says in their menu. That looks kind of weird. I would agree. And I don't, I I think it's not intuitive Mm -hmm. for people to podcast slash blog. So are there blog posts on this podcast or other podcasts on this blog post right like uh-huh. uh, for me i like a podcast page so home page whatever you have to do with your home page again depending on what else you're doing with your brand but your podcast page really should have the artwork that matches your show the name of your show the quick description subscribe buttons maybe a latest episode a player with the latest episode or a trailer or something that you want to highlight, something that they can click and play right away to. And then below that, they should start to see episode entries. The way your blog page is laid out would be perfect below that initial feed of content. So once I realized there's a podcast, I could scroll down and quickly see like, oh, cool. There's Christy Wright. There's Nick Loper. And then like from there, I can click and look on that person's episode page And I can see, right? Like now I'm looking at Christy's page and boom, there's the player with a bunch of buttons on there. There's the video and there's the text. So it becomes intuitive for folks who want to explore more what they're doing next. But by hiding it behind the phrase blog, people might not look there if they're actually coming to look for a podcast. And also it's not good SEO, right? Like (laughs) if people are searching for the word podcast, the sarahstjohn.com slash blog probably won't come up because the word podcast isn't really a searchable term on this page right now. So maybe just get rid of the blog category altogether, since most of my blog posts are podcast episodes, at least lately. Yeah. And if there's stuff that isn't a blog post or that isn't a podcast episode that is a blog post, then, you know, have a deep thoughts blog or have a or like or have a separate blog where you do stuff that is not episode related so that that stuff can be found too but yeah i mean these are podcast episodes so put them on your podcast page Mm -hmm. but i mean that being said like this is a great looking site and you know i'm looking at some of the people that you've had on here and it's a great roster of people i know a lot (laughs) of these folks i love a lot of these folks and now i think i'm going to be up even later tonight as i go back through the catalog oh wow well thank you that's that's an honor to hear that. Yeah, I because I had done two weeks of just episodes about podcasting. And then the next week I did a week of self-publishing. And so I kind of had a theme each week. I'm sure you saw, though, on those blog posts where I have the simple podcast player. So that's probably where I need to limit it to three buttons instead of having all those different ones listed. Yeah, maybe just just keep it to three and then offer a text link that takes you to a separate subscribe page. Mm -hmm. Um, 
just to make it easy. And and maybe under your podcast heading in the menu, you've got podcast takes you to the podcast page. And then maybe below that in the drop down is the thing that says subscribe. That'll take you to a subscribe page where all of these options then become available for folks who want to get that one click connection to Breaker and CastBox and Deezer and all those other spots. Mm-hmm. And what is your opinion on show notes and transcripts? If people are wanting to listen to a podcast, I mean, I guess it helps with SEO. But other than that, I'm like, are they really going to even want to read all that? So usually what I end up doing is I'll put a bio of the person and maybe some of their appearances or links to their various stuff. I mean, podcast show notes are pretty important because for the most part, It's starting to change, but even as it does change, I think what you're still going to find is that, as you mentioned with SEO, text is king, right? Google can read text easily. Google has AI that understands text and that can translate that text into authority. And so if you just put an episode out there, you just put a link to it, you just put the audio on there, it's invisible to most of the search engines. And a lot of people are, because here's the thing, Frugalpreneur, fantastic name. Like it's a very good, clever name. It's, it's descriptive in what you want to do, but it's not a real word. Mm-hmm. And so people who don't know that the brand exists are not necessarily searching for it, mm-hmm. but they might be searching for business coach, self-publishing, podcasting. Maybe they're searching for your guest name. And so All that other text is what's going to get people to discover your show. And so when you do like what you did for Christy Wright is pretty good because you've got images, you've got links, you've got headline tags, you've got all those things that are going to show Google that you are building quality content. And so there's a chance that when somebody Googles Christy Wright, they come across that she was on your show and that's going to bring people to you. Transcripts are good. What I don't like people to do is just dump a transcript on a website and then have a blog post that goes on for like days because (laughs) it's just a transcript. So, you know, maybe hide it in like an accordion element. So all the text is there for the SEO, but it's not gumming up the works and pushing your footer down 40 miles in terms of internet length. It's also really good because there are a lot of folks out there who use that in terms of ADA compliance and you know, special needs to see what your content is. So if it's not too onerous for you or for anybody listening with a podcast, because I understand it's not cheap necessarily and it's not easy to get them done well, but if you can figure out a way to incorporate transcripts into your workflow and production and the way you display your show, they, they can be really helpful and they can make a, a difference. What do you recommend? I thought about using Descript for transcripts. And I know there's a bunch of different services, but what is your opinion? I I think you got to go with the one that works best for you. Descript is one. Otter is one. Tammy does them. Rev.com does them. There's a lot of hardworking individuals who do transcription work. Not going to be on the cheaper side, but you know, if you want to support somebody who's doing that kind of work and that's what they're doing to pay the bills, that would be great. You know, there's also, there's some ways to kind of hack transcripts. So One thing that I did for a client that was a nonprofit that just there was no budget for anything was we took their, and this was actually a video project that we turned into a podcast. So if you're a podcast, you have to reverse hack it. But if you upload a video to YouTube, 
YouTube will generate transcripts for free automatically. Now, they're not going to be 100% accurate. But even if they're 80 to 90% accurate, that's still a lot of really good text that you can then bring into what you're doing and will be very, very useful for, you know, all those different purposes that we talked about. So that's one way you could probably go about it. It takes a couple of days. And again, it's not exact. And the format that they give it to you is in a transcript file. So you probably have to convert it if you want it to just be just text. But that's one way that I did it for a nonprofit that for what we needed, it, it worked out well. That's interesting because basically when I publish a podcast, it goes to repurpose IO and then it'll automatically then turn that into basically a long form audiogram and put it to YouTube. So then I guess I could just log in and then where would I go to get the transcript? So it's on your back end once you are, see, I'm not that good with YouTube, but once you're in like your creator studio of YouTube and you're going into the video portion and I'm going to open up YouTube as I'm saying this. So apologies if you start to hear something coming down the line, which you may have just did. But so let's see if I go into my library and let's go to a video and I click on the video. So I guess once you're in the details, under more options, you'll see original video language subtitles in CC. And it might, it's not going to be there right away. It might take a day or two. But under that, you'll see a gray box that says English by YouTube automatic. And there'll be three dots next to it. And you can either edit them right there or just download those captions right there to use in whatever way you see fit. Oh, wow. Well, that's an awesome little tip there. <laughs> You're welcome. So, I mean, that's, that's going to be much better visual. Mm -hmm. And if you can, like, maybe the first time you do it, record yourself doing it so you can show people. Hopefully, I was able to create enough imagery of the mind. <laughs> but I, I doubt it. So, apologies. for If you're driving, don't try this while you're driving. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, yeah, it's right there as you're editing the details of, uh, of your YouTube videos in the new studio, you know, back end. Okay, cool. And, man, there's so many other things we could talk about. But I, I know that you probably need to go and edit and produce more podcasts. So, <laughs> and you have a couple of podcasts right now, right? Cause Pods and Podcast Me Anything. So, yeah, those are my two. So, Podcast Me Anything is just my podcast about podcasting. And it's one of those shows that if you listen, thank you. I appreciate it. And if you don't, that's fine. I don't care. It is my excuse to get people on a podcast that I want to talk to, right? It's if there's people who are offering new services in the space and doing something interesting and I want an excuse to talk to them about it, like that's what that show is. I might tweak it a little bit and, and hopefully be a little bit more helpful to the audience. But admittedly, it is pure selfishness for me to have that podcast. Cause Pods is a very fun passion project where I talk to people that use podcasting for a cause. So if you're out there and you podcast for your nonprofit or medical cause or social justice, or, you know, it's not for your business, it's not to make money. It's literally because there are stories that you want to tell that's going to make the world a better place. I love to highlight those stories. I love to help those folks. I want to get them more attention, more listeners. And we also offer their donation links or create donation links to see if we can't support their cause or a related cause that warrants getting some help. So that's cause spots. And I, I actually just launched a new one in the midst of all this called Jersey Jobs and Biz, working with my old boss. And we're trying to just focus on how the pandemic is impacting 
New Jersey professionals and businesses and you know create a little community for folks like that. So I'm one of those busy, one of those people who are so busy that I keep adding more to my plate because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm a glutton for punishment, apparently. <laughs> those sound like awesome ideas, cause pods and then that Jersey one. Wow. If anybody listening has a cause pod or knows of a cause pod or like, please, it is harder to find those good stories than I thought it would be. But when they come along, they are really great stories. There are some people doing some really interesting, special things out there, and I hope we can help them make a difference. Mm-hmm. And the people can also find you at thepodcastconsultant.com. And then I'll also have show notes at thesarahstjohn.com forward slash podcast consultant. If you enjoyed and found value from this episode, I'd greatly appreciate it if you rate, review, subscribe, and share at ratethispodcast.com forward slash frugalpreneur. Until next time. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack, connect with fellow listeners, Share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.